The Hard Shoulder with Kieran Cuddy with Nissan on News Talk. With me now, though, is Simon Harris. He is Minister for Further and Higher Education. Minister, you're welcome to the show. Um, do you Thank think you, at some point in the future we should consider rejoining the Commonwealth? I don't, in all honesty. Um, I don't, and in an odd sort of way, and I read the report this morning, I mean, it's, there's just so many other pressing issues right now in relation to Northern Ireland anyway. I mean, hoping, hoping to see a government back in place in terms of devolution and storements, the work at the Shared Island Unit, the work I'm doing on my own department trying to get students from the north and students from the, the, uh, from the south more familiar with each other, increase student mobility. Um, but no, I mean, I, look, Ireland is a is a multilateral country, we're outward looking in our perspective, but I think we I think we do our business in that regard through a whole variety of fora, be it the, our membership of the European Union, uh, the United Nations, uh, the WHO, so many other areas, so mm. no, no is my answer. We're basically a member of the French Commonwealth though, aren't we? We're a member, we're, a, we're, we're an observational member of their Organisation de Francophonie or whatever it's called. Why? Yeah, look, I, I think, I think... What have we got to do with them? Answer. Well, France is now our nearest neighbour in the European Union, but that's, that, that, that's, I suppose, a different matter. I don't truthfully know that. But I, I think, look, I, I think the... I don't. I don't see a scenario in which Ireland would 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 seek to join or rejoin the Commonwealth. Um, I just don't. I just don't think it. I just don't think it arises. Other than other than in, other than in an interesting survey today. Um, but I mean, I, I do think what was somewhat interesting about the survey today, more broadly, is how language matters when it comes to discussing what a united or shared. Ireland looks like in the mm. future. Um, and, and I think that's an important lesson, quite frankly, for all of us involved in politics, um, because language definitely matters. Words matter uh, when it comes to people's perception of the future on this island. And I think that's very, I think that's probably for me, yeah. the Commonwealth is, is an interesting talking point. But I, what I actually thought was more interesting um, was the insights that it gave into terms of how important language, you, how important the words you use are when it comes to the future of this island. I think we can all learn lessons from that because there are certain words that are, you know, inflammatory and um, uh, to, to certain to certain communities. Um, but when you actually try and talk in a respectful way, I think people feel a lot less threatened about the future in terms of working together. And ultimately, my wish, and I'd imagine the wish of many people on this island too, in due course, see United Ireland. Do you think a conversation is is still to be had in this country, though, in the 26 counties in particular, about what a United Ireland might look like. Maybe you'll disagree with me, but the perception I would have is that in most people's minds, it's just the current country we live in, but six counties bigger. Yeah, look, I, I, I spoke at... I had you know, the same flag, same anthem, same everything. Sure. I had the, the honour, Kieran, a couple of months ago of launching the Shared Island Youth Forum. And this is basically a gathering of young people from Northern Ireland and, and from the Republic of Ireland. And, I, and I, I, stood up at that, I stood up and gave a speech. And in the speech, I said, you know, there's three members of the Irish cabinet, of which I'm one, that weren't old enough to vote in the Good Friday Agreement. And some of them remarked to me after, you know, we weren't even born uh, when the Good Friday Agreement uh, was put in place. The reason, I'm, the reason I'm making this point is I think there's a whole generation of people in this island, my age and younger, who, who actually want to be involved in a conversation about what the future of the island looks like. And, and I think a lot of people are less concerned, being truthful, less concerned about emblems and symbolism and more concerned about practical things. So I, I'm of a generation that I think many people in my generation are more familiar uh, with Paris and Berlin than they are with Belfast and Derry. I think there's a huge body of work that we need to do in terms of mobility around the island. I'm, I'm going to Donegal on Monday 
um, even this idea of how we can work together on an all-island approach to education. So we're looking at how we can educate doctors on an all-island approach. We already have a nursing, speech and language therapy, occupational therapy as an example. We're developing all-island apprenticeships. When I was in health, I remember going to Altnagelvin, where you had cancer patients from Derry coming over the other side of the border. I remember Michelle O'Neill, when she was in health and I was in health, we, we opened a, a new cardiac lab in Crumlin because you now have some of the sickest children from Northern Ireland coming down, little babies, to have life-saving heart operations in Crumlin. You know, no one cares, no one cares their family's political perspective. They care that they yeah. can access life-saving operations. So I suppose what I'm saying is I think the most important thing now is we have to get to know each other better. Uh, and I actually think that some of the insights in the survey today show that. Le- less harsh language, less entrenched positions, and more a conversation about how we work together in a practical way. How, how difficult um, is all that body of work you describe in recent months without the Assembly and the institutions up and running? Extraordinarily difficult. Um, I think the difficulty is offset somewhat by the fact that a lot of sectors of society have good links. So the sector that I'm minister for, a lot of the university presidents, university staff know each other and they're kind of getting on with it regardless of the political vacuum. But it is really hard. Like, who do do I talk to when I want to talk to to Northern Ireland about higher education, you know? so, I mean, we, we as a government, our first priority and the most pressing priority, and I think this is a shared view with the British government, has to be the re-establishment of the institutions um, under the Good Friday Agreement, because that not just brings back Stormont, it doesn't just bring back the executive, though both of that's really important. It also then brings back a number of other features of the Good Friday Agreement in terms of for example, the North-South Ministerial Council, mm. um, which was an opportunity for effectively the the, 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 the government and Stormont and the, uh, and the Irish government to meet on a regular basis and trash through issues that, again, aren't about emblems, but issues that are of practical interest to people across the island. And, and we, we need that. Um, we really need yeah. this. We saw it during COVID, you know, the, the difference between one rule, one side of the border and the other and all the confusion that could cause. Uh, one of our listeners simply says, if joining the Commonwealth means we get access to the BBC iPlayer, then yes, count me in. So there's at least one supporter for it out there. Uh, um, Minister, talk me through the announcement yourself and the Minister for Housing made today with regard to student accommodation. Yeah, look, we, we've we've chatted many times about the fact that I believe we've been too reliant on the private market when it comes to student accommodation. I just completed a survey of 22,801 students who are renting um, and 36% of them are living in private rental accommodation. So they're not living in college accommodation. They're not living in private student accommodation. They're effectively getting together with friends or classmates and renting a house that if they weren't otherwise renting could be freed up for a family to rent or buy. So I got government approval this week to change government policy in relation to student housing and basically recognising that we need to intervene much more as a state using taxpayers' money to get things building. Today we've announced the go-ahead for 521 beds uh, between DCU and Maynooth, 405 of them in DCU, 116 of them in Maynooth. Both will go to construction this year. The Maynooth ones will be ready in 25, the DCU ones in 2026. I've also gotten permission now to try and pursue the 2,500 extra beds that could be built between UCD, Trinity and DCU could do even more um, if, if we can reach a, a similar mm-hmm. type agreement with them. And then most importantly, for the very first time ever, uh, we're writing to the technological universities, effectively the universities in the regions uh, this month, asking them to send in their applications on what they'd like to do for student accommodation. So Tralee, Castlebar, okay. Athlone, Sligo, a few examples, Waterford, and, a few examples. Like and then that. how will these blocks of accommodation be owned and operated and, and run? How will rent work? 
so they will be owned by the university, um, but we, the state, will will have part funded them. So in return for that part funding, we will we will stipulate that a certain number of the beds have to be below market rent. So let's just say we fund thirty percent. If we fund thirty percent of the development, well then thirty percent of those beds uh, will have to be provided uh, at below market rent. Now, what's market rent? It'll vary from part of the country to part of the country and we're currently now working on a framework as to what an affordable rent is but for the first time I as minister or my successors mm. will actually have levers to pull um, in terms of rent the second stipulation we're putting but, is but, but, but the other in, in, in that situation the other 70% will still go out to the market to that student market at what is considered market rate that is true, and I need to be truthful about this because we have a viability issue and we need to get these beds built. But we do, let's be honest, as much as housing is a real challenge, we have some people who can afford to pay these rents and we have others who desperately cannot. Um, so I'll be prioritising those with household incomes below €100,000 um, for the below market rent beds. But also we will help with affordability for all of the beds because, as you know, we've extended the renter's tax credit now mm. to parents paying for their student accommodation. So if you're a parent paying for your student to live in digs, private accommodation, uh, or college accommodation, you can now get 750 back uh, off the rent uh, this year. That's that's one example. So we can come at affordability from a range of different levers, redu- reducing fees, increasing grants, increasing thresholds. But there's no not much good making accommodation affordable if you don't have it. So it is that balance between getting things built. Uh, well, I'm not sure people would agree with the premise of your statement that you are making it affordable. The average rent in Dublin too for a one bed at the moment is 1,959 euro. No, absolutely. But I mean, what I'm basically saying is that's not going to be the scenario in relation to our student accommodation because uh, we'll be ring-fencing beds that will, for the first time, be providing beds that are ring-fenced at below market rates for students whose household income is below market Yes, so so 30% will get a better deal than that, but the other 70% will be paying that. Uh, Not necessarily, because again, many of those students will qualify for student grants. And one of the purposes of the student grants is, again, to meet the cost of going to college. So, like, I I don't think we can... We can't just look at the headline rate of rent on a student accommodation as the end of the matter because there are other ways we can help families and students, and we do, uh, with the cost of rent. But, I mean, we had for every bed for every bed in Maynooth University this year available on campus, for every one person who got one, we had six who applied. So even at the current rates that are high, mm. even at those current rents, we still have a very significant number of people saying, I'm willing and able to rent that. So I do need to increase overall supply. Um, but I'm not willing to increase it without making sure that we're looking after those most in need and trying to help with the cost of rent. And can I just say, sorry, one other thing we're doing in terms of a stipulation that is important, and I've heard this from students, a real frustration and anger from them that sometimes accommodation has been built with, for want of a better phrase, frills, things they didn't ask for. Um, this might be an extreme example, but there's sometimes student, there's one private student accommodation facility in Dublin with a bowling alley. Um, of course, the more of these things you put in, they're not free. These are, the students end up having to pay them back in their rent. So we're agreeing standardised design. If you want the state to invest money in university, you need to build the student accommodation to this spec. And we'll be agreeing that standardised design with student unions. In other words, we'll pay for what students need and want. We won't be paying for things above and beyond mm. that you might think are a nice thing to put in, but the student doesn't want. Can I ask then, just on the student accommodation front, Minister, there was a story in the Irish Examiner yesterday about the Department of Integration proposing to purchase a 57 million euro student accommodation complex in Cork to house asylum seekers. What do you know about that? So I am aware that the Department of Integration is obviously, as we're all aware, looking for lots of different accommodation. And I am aware that 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 is one proposal that they've considered. It hasn't come to Cabinet. It hasn't been agreed by Cabinet. What view will you express at Cabinet? 
Well, my view on it is really simple. Um, it can't be made available unless there's a very clear understanding as to what alternative accommodation has been provided to the students, that it's being provided at the same rent and that it's available with immediate effect. So I, I think it's very hard to see how this comes to pass, quite frankly. The government is trying to increase student accommodation supply. Um, we're very, very supportive as a department and very supportive as a sector in helping with the humanitarian crisis. So we make thousands of beds available uh, every every summer and outside of term time to the Department of Integration to help house people uh, in need, uh, including people fleeing war and coming here for protection. Very eager that we do more of that. Yeah. But we just need to make sure we don't fix one problem and cause another. Um, and, and look, I, well, I it sounds like you're saying that this won't happen. That, that there's not spare student accommodation, so this won't this won't get the green light. Unless, I, unless I, I, I'd like to have, and, I, and I, by the way, I don't think it's just my view. I'd imagine this is the view of everybody in government, uh, that we'd like to have a very clear understanding if it was to happen, what's the alternative for the students? And in the absence of that, I don't believe it can happen. Simon Harris, Minister for Further and Higher Education. Minister, thanks for joining us Thank here you. on the show. The Hard Shoulder with Kieran Cuddy with Nissan. Weekdays from four on News Talk.